Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Aileen King, Senior Lecturer in Pharmacology at King's College London. Recently, Dr. King joined us to discuss how even small changes to experimental protocol can substantially impact both welfare and data interpretation when studying blood glucose homeostasis in mice. Let's get right into it. So Aileen, first question here, does continuous glucose monitoring tell you something that you can't measure with normal glucometers? Thanks, Liam. Yeah, it depends very much on which experiments you're doing and and what you want to find out. Uh, The most obvious things that a glucometer can't measure is fluctuations in blood glucose, and this happens all the time. Luckily, we've actually looked at how accurate the glucometer measures uh, glucose tolerance and glucose tolerance tests. And the good news for those who don't want to do telemetry is the the accuracy of uh, glucometers in the glucose tolerance test is is pretty good. However, you do miss subtle drug effects when you're uh, measuring with a glucometer. So we've studied uh, different drugs. We've studied um, metformin and Exendin-4 using different concentrations of drugs. And in some cases, you can see differences with the um, continuous glucose monitoring that you can't see with the glucometer. And also when you administer the drug, uh, what you can do with the continuous glucose monitoring is nearly see exactly how long it remains in the system and how long that effect has. And finally, it depends if the mouse is doing something very different um, in the day versus during the night. And this happens uh, particularly when the uh, animal is particularly diabetic. So we've done some transplantation experiments in strepsitosin animals, uh, which we made diabetic by injecting uh, the drug strepsitosin. And then we transplanted islets of Langhans. And what we see using a glucometer was that you could measure blood glucose and it looked like the animal was cured with a blood glucose of less than 11.1 millimolar. However, when we use continuous glucose monitoring, we realized that the mice were very hyperglycemic during the night, and we missed this with a normal glucometer. Um, So especially if the animals are overtly diabetic, um, it can be useful to to use continuous glucose monitoring. But just it's very good to find very subtle effects and also to see what's happening when you're not touching the animal. Fantastic. Great answer. Next question here. It's known that males are larger than female mice. Have you taken the body weight of the mice into account? And if so, what are the uh, sort of implications that on the data? I mean, I think, yeah, that in some cases, we've actually done this uh, also with uh, high fat diets. Um, Even when you take into consideration the size of the mouse, the blood glucose does tend to, to be higher in males. Normally, we We've looked at also at uh, mice at different ages, and we don't see um, really enormous effects from, say, a mouse that's about 10 to 12 weeks versus a mouse that's that's around 24 weeks. But the effect of age is, again, another interesting question, which automatically has the effect of the mouse being slightly bigger. But in general, we haven't really uh, looked in detail about whether the size of the mouse is affecting it. I guess we could do that correlation, but 
the blood glucose is probably fluctuating uh, so much that you don't actually can't determine it's not it's not as simple as the heaviest mouse has has always the highest blood glucose fantastic next question here so with regards to blood glucose increasing in the vivo procedures did you look into changes following oral gavage as well you just uh, clarify that a bit yes yes sorry i, I didn't uh, clarify that well yes so the the same the same thing happens i think especially in the male mice nearly as soon as you pick them up it nearly doesn't matter what happens after that they have this sort of two millimolar increase in in blood glucose so there is definitely a stress effect um in the oral gavage as well and there will be a slight stress effect even by uh, administering the voluntary glucose to a certain extent because as soon as you walk in the room the blood glucose increases and i think it's it's just something we can't get around. You can't generally do experiments without ever being there. So I think it's more just being aware how different aspects uh, can affect and just being aware that if you do something slightly different from normal, it really could impact. So you've got to make sure you've always got the right controls. Uh, we've even seen uh, an impact of a different researcher doing the experiment, especially if the researcher um, is obviously a little bit less experienced. So you just need to keep things. I think you need to accept that this is a phenomenon that we've just got to uh, accept because there's nothing we can do about it, but just keep everything absolutely as consistent as possible. Yeah, that's a really great point and important to keep in mind for sure. All right. So next question here, what was the age of the mice that you they used? And maybe I can broaden that to how might age affect the, the results here? Right. So the age that we used, we implanted, uh, sorry, I should have mentioned this during the talk, we implanted uh, the probes at around uh, 10 weeks in the experiments I've shown you today. This is because uh, the probes can't be placed uh, in mice that are too light. So we always had to have the mice at least uh, 25 grams or 23 grams and above. Uh, we have actually done a study where we have carried out high fat feeding. And for that, we needed the, the age match control. And obviously, when we're feeding the animals for eight weeks during that time, they also age. Um, so what we see is that they still react uh, pretty much to everything you do. But the older mice, say if we look at mice that are between 20 and 24 weeks, their response is a little blunt in, uh, compared to mice that are about uh, 10 to 12 uh, weeks old. So there is a slight effect of age that the mice, you can see just a slight blunting of response, but the response is still there. Fantastic. All right, here's... A good question here. Do, do the differences in resting glucose and glucose variability in males and females reflect sex differences in, in insulin secretion or meal patterning? That is a good question. I mean, there has been studies showing that insulin secretion can be higher in females, but again, there's not um, an awful lot of studies in that. Uh, these probes also look at activity and we, um, we did look at activity levels between males and females. And it gets a little bit complicated in mice because obviously if you're moving, your blood glucose could actually go down because you're using glucose. But in the scenario of a mouse, the reason they might be moving is to get up and get some food. So we actually found that the females were moving more than the males. 
So we're not sure exactly why that is. So to, to answer the question, it's also quite established that males tend to have higher insulin resistance than females. So it might be to do with that as well. And in fact, when we've done insulin tolerance tests, we do find that the males have high, um, worse insulin tolerance than females. So they're not as sensitive to insulin. So it's probably a combination of several factors. All right, great answer. All right, next question here. Thank you for the fantastic data. I was wondering whether the mice were handled prior to the studies performed in order to get accustomed to the researcher presence and interaction and scruffing. Yes, we were handling the mice before the probes were implanted. So we have tried to look at whether there's any kind of habituation. We, what we did find is the first glucose tolerance you test you do is always impacting the mouse the most. So once you've done the first glucose tolerance test, the next glucose tolerance test doesn't go as high, but any others after that are all the same. So there is what I call an effect of the primary glucose tolerance test. And then after that, they seem to not really habituate. So it's a tiny bit of habituation from the first time you meet um, you kind of interact with them. Now this could be really important because for example if you did a glucose tolerance test and then gave a drug and then at the end gave another glucose tolerance test you'll inevitably find that the, the second one is the animals are have better glucose tolerance. So it's obviously as you all know it's important to have the proper controls but we would recommend that, that you have some kind of um, mock-up of a glucose tolerance test before your first one, uh, just to habituate them slightly. But we were a bit surprised. They never seemed to get used to the, the cage changing. Now, of course, we don't really know what's happening before we put in the probes when the mice are younger, and maybe their, their response is even higher at that stage. But their cage is changed every week uh, by experienced members of staff. They still seem to uh, increase in blood glucose to it. So there are some aspects of habituation, but at the end of the day, they still react uh, to a lot of things. As I mentioned before, when we use slightly older mice, they reacted slightly less. And again, that indicates there might be a very, very slight habituation. But in general, you can't assume that just by handling the mice a few times that the mouse isn't going to react uh, when you go to do your experiment. All right. Interesting. All right. So here's a question. Are, are rats affected? Do you think rats might be affected in the same way as mice? I actually uh, did a, a, a glucose, uh, a continuous glucose monitoring study in rats, but I wasn't particularly looking at, at research or intervention uh, to the same extent. So I'm not such an expert in rats. I don't use them much in my own research, apart from that one study that I did. I guess you may be able to habituate rats a little bit more. They seem, at least uh, when you go into an animal department, they're not quite as jumpy as mice, but that might just be my perception. So to be honest, I'm not really sure uh, what the responses that rats have. I, one thing I did know, notice about when I did a continuous glucose monitoring rats is their circadian rhythms were far more pronounced. They really did have very, very clear differences between day and night in normal glycemia and 
and also in the diabetic state. Interesting. Well, maybe, yeah, interesting if somebody can look into that, maybe into rice or into uh, rats, sorry. All right. So next question here. So does the day of the ovulatory cycle not matter in a protocol that identifies glucose homeostasis compared to a diet-induced obesity group? Yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to think. We did also look at high-fat-fed female mice but we don't have such extensive data in it. I'm not entirely sure. These are all normoglycemic animals that I showed you today. So it depends whether the, the, the sort of the high fat diet interacts with the estrus stage. In general, we have found in these mice that estrus only has an effect if the animals are particularly stressed. So we've, we've done other experiments that I uh, haven't shown you today, for example, If you transport the cage to another room to do your glucose tolerance test, that only affected female mice in the Easter stage if if you had a whole cage change or you'd overnight fasted them. So I think with regard to female mice, if you've got refined protocols, in our experience, the Easter stage doesn't impact on results. But if the mice are feeling a bit more stressed, then the mice that are in the metastrous diastrous stage are more likely to have higher blood glucose concentrations. But I can't answer directly on uh, what happens in the high fat fed mice. I think we ended up with so few animals in that in the end that I don't think we were able to look into a lot of detail. So I'm not entirely sure if um, how that corresponds in the high fat diet model. All right, excellent. All right, so this question kind of goes back to insulin secretion versus feeding behavior. But do you know how insulin or the the levels of insulin secretion and how they might be affected by either the six or sixteen hour fast? I mean, in theory, I know. I the the quick answer is no. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I presume insulin secretion should reduce with a fast because you don't have elevated blood glucose levels in your in your blood. A lot of the the stress effects actually comes through adrenaline and cortisol, and they also can impact on insulin secretion, but they can also impact on insulin sensitivity. So especially in the males, I presume that the reason that they've got impaired glucose tolerance when you've overnight fasted them is actually because they've got a higher insulin resistance. And and we haven't been able to, to measure that yet, but that's something to look into in the future. Yeah, for sure. Very interesting. Do you think similar results would be observed using the refined protocol, but without continuous glucose monitoring? Yeah, we have been able. Uh, we have been. We have been able to uh, repeat some of these experiments using just a glucometer. As I said before, the the one experiment that a glucometer is actually really quite accurate in is in is the glucose tolerance test. So we've done glucose tolerance tests where we've just administered the glucose and then just walked away and, and left the mouse. And then we've also done it in, in glucose in glucose continuous monitored mice where we still go and measure the blood glucose at 15 and, and, and 13, 16, 19 and 120 minutes. And in these uh, circumstances, the glucometer is actually pretty much superimposing what we see if you don't use the glucometer at all. So I do think that this is relevant even if your animals uh, don't have a telemetry device. 
And during these experiments, we actually, because another result actually I didn't mention is single housing. And it's known that single housing uh, mice is, is not good for them. And we, um, during these experiments, each, you can only have one mouse on each telemetry mat. So in each cage, we had one mouse that had the telemetry device and one mouse that was just there to keep it company. And all experiments were also carried out in what we call these buddy mice. And we found very similar uh, results. So yes, I do think it would be relevant uh, to mice, even if they don't have telemetry devices. Great answer. So going off of that, so considering stress, you know, as you showed in your presentation, has a big impact on the glucose levels. Does the handling that's required for, you know, traditional glucose testing, does did that have an effect? Do you think, you said it was superimposing the data, but do you think that, you know, should have had an effect on the glucose levels measured? I'm not sure quite understand. I think, I mean, definitely measuring the blood glucose does increase the blood glucose. So yeah, you can tell that just by measuring the blood glucose over. So when I said that the median blood glucose was say 6.9 in uh, millimolar, I'm guessing most people when they measure blood glucose and us included, if you're measuring blood glucose with a glucometer, you usually get a little bit higher than that. So I definitely think that the blood glucose you're measuring with a glucometer is a result of the the mouse being slightly stressed at the time but I f i'm fully aware that we can't do anything about it so it's we can't all do telemetry in every single mouse because that would be impractical so i don't think we should be particularly concerned that measuring the blood glucose is increasing the blood glucose i think we just need to be aware about it and be aware that if you don't if you're not used to uh, handling the mice, say for example, you go away on holiday and you ask a student who doesn't do it very often, you could end up having an increased blood glucose just because of their inexperience. So I think my, my kind of overall take home message is that it does happen, but just be aware and do everything you can to make sure the mice are as stressed as little as possible and, and just keep things consistent. And you should be able to work within that, that the blood glucose will be slightly increased just by handling the mice and measuring the blood glucose. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.